Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest, bracket analyst of the day, actually still has his team alive and kicking in the postseason. Brad Brownell, very successful as UNC Wilmington's head coach. Two NCAA trips in his four years as the head coach of the Seahawks. Also took Wright State to the big dance. And, of course, has taken the Tigers of Clemson there as well. Last night... It was his current school, Clemson, against his former school, Wright State. The Tigers did get the win. They will face the winner of tonight's Furman-Wichita State matchup in the next round of the NIT. He, of course, played all of the ACC teams that are alive in either of those big tournaments. Coach Brownell, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Doing great, my man. How are you? I'm doing really well. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Before we dive into some of the details involving your Tigers, uh, tell me this, if you, of course, you can't have your own roster for purposes of this question, if you could pick any other roster, you know, whether you lean on <laughs> NBA caliber talent or maybe a blend of old guys and young guys or whatever you like most, if you could pick any roster that is in the NCAA tournament, which one would you pick to make your run and why? Oh, wow. That's tough, man. It is. That's a tough question. It is. I feel I feel like I'm cheating on my guys now, man. You're making me try to take somebody else's team over my own. I know. Well, I'm I'm assuming that you're taking Marquise Reed and friends to win the NIT, right? So well, I, I'm, I guess I the, the nature of the question, if you feel uncomfortable picking a team, is what do you think makes a national champion? Because, for example, Carolina gives you – you know, seniors with some NBA-caliber yeah. freshmen. Yeah. Duke is trying to win it all following four freshmen with very little help from the upperclassmen, relatively speaking. And, and UVA has taken a still different route as three of the number one seeds in this tournament. Well, obviously, I think all three of those teams are extremely talented, well-coached, and, and have a chance to win it all, uh, you know, legitimately. And I think it's it's kind of that's one of the things I think is, is neat about college basketball is you can do it different ways. You can do it different styles, styles of play. You can do it with different personnel, and I think that's one of the that's one of the things that's really unique about college basketball that I really like. And I hate that you know sometimes we kind of go we want to make the game we keep tweaking the game to make it a little bit more like the NBA, and I'm afraid of that because I don't want it to change. I want us to have different styles and. Uh, so I, I think all three of those teams, and they are different. Obviously, Carolina's up and down, and uh, a lot of passing game motion, and and guys that just shoot it quick. And obviously, Zion at Duke and and RJ Barrett, their strength and individual talent. And, um, you know, they've they've had to overcome some things with some injuries and, and played extremely well and seem to be playing as well as anybody. And then uh, the Virginia team, I think what they've done the last couple of years is remarkable to go go through our league as, as many games as they've played and only lose a couple, you know, this year. And maybe it was one or none last year. I can't even remember, but I think they've got a real chip on their shoulder. I think those guys are playing at a very high level and, and uh, have probably more depth than they've ever had. If you had to choose, choose between mega talent and savvy experience, uh, and you can only have one or the other, not both. What, what do you think matters most in March madness, whether it's the NCAA or the NIT? Uh, I think, I mean, talent is, that's what it is. I mean, it, at the end of the day, I think, you know, you got to have great players. The yeah. game's about players making plays. You got, as a coach, you got to put your guys in a position to be successful and you help them with a defensive game plan of, or what you're trying to do. But at the end of the day, it's about players making plays. Guys got to make shots. Guys got to create shots for each other. Uh, 
you know, be unselfish and share it. But I mean, it's about players making plays, and there's there's certainly that the, you're you're never not going to want to have the talent. I mean, the talent is is more important than a, a guy who's not quite as good a player who has a little more experience. I think it's chemistry is as much of anything, and do the pieces fit together um, to go along with the talent? But certainly, talent is is critical. Brad Reynolds joining us. He has taken the Tigers to five postseason trips in his nine seasons as their head coach. Remember, last year was one of the highlights, a fantastic run to the Sweet 16. Uh, his senior, Marquise Reed, one of the best players in modern Clemson basketball history, an all-ACC guard uh, who's still playing as Clemson advanced last night in the NIT. Uh, Brad, Brad Brownell joining us on the David Glenn Show. Uh, when you look at style of play that you mentioned and the varieties now I know that some remember Virginia only as the number one seed that lost to the 16 seed but I also remember coach in 2016 when they I think Tony Bennett had his best team ever with Malcolm Brogdon on his way to the NBA you know London Parentes was a veteran point guard Anthony Gill was a really good player Mike Toby etc when he had maybe more offensive diversity he went to the Elite Eight that year, and yet Tony Bennett, for all his success, you know, first place finishes left and right, couple of ACC tournament titles, there are still skeptics out there because of his slow tempo. Uh, what, what do you say to those who are skeptical about that style of play winning in March? I actually think the game goes more that way late in March. I think the game slows down in February and March, and it does become more possession-oriented. The first thing I would say is last year losing was obviously no disrespect to UMBC and the way they played because they were phenomenal. Um, and what they did was incredible, but no DeAndre Hunter is a pretty big piece. Of yeah. That. Uh, and he's, uh, that usually gets mentioned without DeAndre Hunter being mentioned as not playing it. So that's a major factor in the game because of his versatility. It allows Tony to do a lot of different things. And Tony would never use that as an excuse, but you know, that he's back. And so they, they've got a very similar team, but they've got DeAndre Hunter. Um, so they're infinitely better um, this year with him. And so I don't think that the style of play argument is, is relevant to them. I think the way they play, if you can do what they do in our league, you can win national championships playing the way they play. And certainly I think more times than not, the style of play in the tournament actually slows down and, and uh, their ball control offense helps them in those kinds of games. Coach uh, Jeff Capel, now of Pitt, formerly of Duke, was one of our guests yesterday, and he was adamant in saying that he believes that both your team and NC State should have been selected as at-large teams to the big dance. Now, I know you're still coaching and you have other things on your mind. Maybe, maybe you have already given your two cents on this. Uh, but we have both like UNC Greensboro, you know, the overachieving mid-major, mad that they were the last team left out. And then we have the Power Five teams like yours and NC State that also were close calls. What is your two cents when it comes to are you being treated unfairly? Should the selection committee give the benefit of the doubt to the bigger schools that play the tougher schedules? How did you did you feel mistreated on Selection Sunday? Uh, no, I probably didn't feel mistreated. Uh, I just think it's really hard because you don't know what it is you're truly measuring. And obviously, if you look at Clemson, our resume, we were one in ten against quad ones, and so that's the reason to keep us out. You know, I guess NC State played a, a poor non-conference schedule, so I guess that's your reason to keep them out. I, you know, I don't, 
it, it, it doesn't match, though. And so the, the part that's really hard is you look at our league and we've got the three top seeds in the tournament. Yeah. One, two, and three. And we're able to finish – NC State and Clemson are able to finish nine and nine in that league against that kind of competition. You know, I've been on both sides because I'm a mid-major guy right. for a long time, and so I, I have a lot of respect for, for those teams and what that is and how hard it is to go 16-2, and 17-1, 18-0. I know that's incredibly difficult, but I've also been in our league now for nine years, and I know how hard it is just to go 9-9, nine and 10-8. Nine, and eight. That, That's really hard, too. I think the harder part is when you're a, a mid-major and you're playing, you can, your team can, like we played very well against North Carolina, and we lose by two, and there's a play at the buzzer that could go our way, their way, there's no foul, whatever happens, it's part of basketball. But you, your team loses more because while you're playing well, very seldom when you're a mid-major do you lose when you play well. If you have the best team, you win all those games. And obviously you play more games against quad three and four opponents, so you don't even have to play well certain nights to win, and so you can get by on some things. The mid-major guys where it's hard is you can play well and lose, and then when you do play poorly, you probably lose. And then there's just the grinding effect of two months of high-major games that are extremely difficult. And some games like going to Duke and Cameron and, and going to Chapel Hill that feel very difficult to win, unwinnable almost. And so it, there, there's, it's almost impossible to measure it all. Um, and the, the most frustrating part of it is you don't know what it is they really want to look at and so obviously the net there was a big deal talked about the net and it was supposed to take all these things into consideration and you know you turn and look and all of a sudden nc state clemson were both at 33 and 35 and we're 35 places ahead of some of the teams that got in and you're just left to wonder like what does that really mean i mean so a bad couple of bad losses are not that important because at clemson we didn't have one we didn't lose right. to anybody outside the top i think it was 85 or 90 in the country all of our losses were against top teams and you know five or six of them were by two points in the last four seconds so it's like a call a no call a missed shot a block shot a missed free throw whatever it is that's what's frustrating and so I, I guess some teams were rewarded for an occasional good win and not penalized for bad losses we were not rewarded for you know not having bad losses but not having enough good wins so I, I don't I don't know what to you know, I'm, you're kind of left to yep. scratch your head of what, what do you do? We're all scratching our heads. Brad Brownell is joining us. Last year, you led the Tigers to really one of the best seasons in the history of Clemson basketball. 25 wins, tied for third in the ACC, Sweet 16. I imagine it was not difficult to get the guys up for a trip to the NCAA tournament, right? They grew up dreaming that. When you yep. barely miss it. And here you are. You already won last night, so you must have done something right. As you advance in the NIT, do young people's just competitive instincts kick in, or do you need to help them get over the disappointment on a selection Sunday? Well, I think, yeah, you got to help them get over it. It's it's hard. Uh, and I think the thing that's, that's really difficult, and I'm sure Kevin had to deal with this uh, last night. In fact, he and I talked about it the other day. Uh, it happens so quick. You go from, you know, the low of not getting in to you got to turn around and play 48 hours later yeah. against a team that's been ready and waiting. And I've been one of those mid majors. You love to play high majors. You don't get those games. And then you're also playing the high major in a non high major environment. They played in Reynolds. I know, you know, we played in front of 2,500 people here at Clemson. It wasn't 9,000 like we normally get for right. a big game. And, and so it's not the same kind of game. And so now your kids are, 
are left to get themselves going. And what I told our team before the beginning of the game was, hey, guys, like, it'll be okay. We'll start to see how it goes. But when the game gets hard, and it's going to get hard at some point in the middle of the game, that's when we're going to find out if you guys really want to play, if you really want to compete, if you really want to, you know, keep playing. And, you know, Wright State took the lead on us in the second half and had a four- or five-point lead, and our guys hung in there and decided they wanted to keep playing. And so they found a way to bounce back and win. But that's when you know if your team really wants to be there is when they get punched in the mouth a little bit when it gets hard. Gonna be, there's going to be a fun storyline one way or the other with your next game because it's either in-state Furman and you know the Paladins would love a shot at the Power 5 Clemson Tigers in round two, or it's Wichita State and, like, the return of Greg Marshall to that neighborhood. So have some fun with either of those as we thank you for your time and congratulate you on uh, an ongoing good season. Uh, quick summary, Coach, on Marquise Reed, man. I've had a lot of fun watching him. I know he's not done yet technically, but he has changed your program. I mean, you took a Robert Morris transfer and you know, I know you're going to give him most of the credit, but your brand includes helping a Robert Morris transfer become one of the best players in the ACC. I only left you about a minute, but summarize that the best you can because it's, it's a great story. Well, it is a great story because he's a tremendous young man, just a quiet, hardworking, humble kid that you know plays the game with a chip on his shoulder but doesn't walk around like that at all. Just one of the nicest kids you'll ever want to meet and uh, – you know, but he's a silent assassin as a scorer now. I mean, he gets on that basketball court. I call him a play-all-day guard. That's all he wants to do is play basketball all day. And He kind of grew up doing that. He doesn't care where we're playing. He doesn't care if it's in Chapel Hill or Duke or whether it's out, out in the park, on the street, in the driveway. He's just going to play. And uh, because of that mentality, he's, he's really improved. He's gotten stronger. He's, he's gotten to become a better passer. And he's really improved as an all-around player. Most people don't realize he averaged almost six rebounds a game three assists a game, two steals a game, 19 and a half points a game. Um, I mean, he's really worked to become an all-around player and not just a scorer. And, uh, but he really can score that ball. He's approaching 2,000 points. Um, he's had a remarkable career and couldn't be happier for a guy who's, who's just one of those undersized guys that has, has just worked at it. And uh, he's a great story. If this coaching thing doesn't work out in the long run, you, you might have a future in TV or radio or whatever you want to do next. I asked for a one-minute answer. He gave me exactly a one-minute answer. That is unbelievable. No coaches do that ever. Well done, Coach. On the court, of course, but also we appreciate your visits regularly here on the David Glenn Show. Good to be with you, my man. Enjoy. Thank you. Brad Brownell, formerly of UNCW, now the ninth-year head coach of the Tigers, dancing in one of the brackets for the fifth time in his nine years there.